3: Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brain Kill Me Show. We got Congressman Pat Fallon with us on House Armed Services Committee. we to talk about the Ukraine and what's happening. He's also an Air Force veteran, knows the, the reality of combat. And Rich Lowry put it all in perspective. For Republicans, how do they feel about Nancy Pelosi saying, I'm going to sign up for two more years even though I have 28 retirements and just a four-member advantage. She's also looking to secure the border of Ukraine. But she's not looking to secure our border, which is also going to be part of the show. The president of the United States is going to do something that he didn't do yesterday, and that is something. He had the day off. Really? He's got 350 million people to lead. If you didn't want the job, why did you run for it or pretend to run for it? Let's get to the big three.
2: Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three.
4: Number three. Look, in Florida, we just anticipate hostility from this administration. That's just what they do. Uh they are much they are much more interested in picking political fights than they are of actually being there for the people in our state that need this assistance.
3: And they're talking about uh, the antibodies that can help you get over this virus if you get it. They said, "Well, the kind that you guys want won't help." And that's why Ron DeSantis found it taken away from him. Battle on all fronts, from backs to boosters to masks in schools. America is squaring off for the for this death match. Oh yeah, in other news, the worst of the COVID nineteen virus is over, which I should uh which which should matter to you. Also, how it started and what Saint Fauci knew.
5: Number two. I made it clear to uh President Putin that if he were to move into Ukraine that there'd be severe consequences, including significant economic sanctions as well as I feel obliged to beef up our NATO's presence in on the Eastern Front.
3: Holding pattern seems the West deciding how much they are willing to do to stop an invasion while Russians wait, watch and observe while knowing the two levers they are prepared to pull are still there. Invade and take over their neighbor and then stop oil and gas shipments to their best customers Europe in the middle of winter should they face sanctions from us the game plan, I think, we have that will counter it. I'll, I'll share it.
6: Number one.
7: The illegal guns is an important first step, but we must also address bail reform in our pretrial detention system. We must allow judges to take dangerousness into account. New York is the only state in the country that does not allow a judge to detain a defendant who poses an immediate threat to the community.
3: Crime and a pledge of punishment by the Democratic mayor is met with a rebuke in New York City and by the state legislature. This is in the wake of the death of a second cop after being shot on Friday. How much longer are the American people going to let left-wing criminal apologists run their city? It's not just about New York. So uh, we know the second, and we, we, we did get word that this was true, that the... uh, He became an organ donor uh, yesterday. Passed away at the age of 27 after being shot on Friday, and you know, uh, and it's an execution. Now the question is, Eric Adams says, release the tape. Let's see it. He they were wearing body cameras. You could see how dangerous it is to be a cop. Also, factor in another police officer was shot and killed on a routine traffic stop on Sunday, same thing in Texas, a routine traffic stop by a guy that's been on the job, I think 27 years. He was shot just pulling somebody over. And right now the suspect is still out and about. How are we going to change this in all these major cities? Bill Bratton weighed in on the city that he left and the city that we are left with after Mayor de Blasio got done with it. And of course the pandemic hasn't helped because of it. Here is uh, Mayor Eric Adams on what he would like to do. Cut
7: three. Illegal guns is an important first step. But we must also address bail reform in our pretrial detention system. First, we must allow judges to take dangerousness into account. New York is the only state in the country that does not allow a judge to Mm -hmm. detain a defendant who poses an immediate threat to the community. True. So what about
3: another commissioner? Those things are good. The state legislature and the city legislature is not for it. That is tragic. Mayor, hey, Democrats listening to me right now, you have to wake up. And this is not just about New York. It's about Chicago, Detroit, San Francisco, uh, Los Angeles, and Philadelphia specifically. Here's Bill Bratton says, OK, that's part of it. But you also have a big other problem that you never bring up. And it's the Manhattan, the Manhattan DA, cut for
8: but key to all of this is going after very aggressively those who are using those guns to commit the violence. And right now, the criminal justice system in New York City, in New York State, is not structured to do that. District attorneys, state legislature, on up to the governor, have not been supportive of getting tough on gun crime. Uh, there's a clarion call now from this mayor. Let's see who gets on board with them. Eric is the right man at the right time. but I'm not sure about the rest of the political establishment in New York State.
3: So let's say, I would think that also from Washington, they're still about police reform. Believe it or not, this tone-deaf president is going to be looking still at police reform. They don't know the tide has changed. Do We need cops. You force them from the job. You defunded them and ask them to do a job without taking days off and where they're underfunded and understaffed. It's nuts. More from Bratton as he talks about the other challenges that are straight ahead. Cut six.
8: New York City in 2018 was the safest it's ever been. We use the police to control behavior. But they took away so many of the powers of the police, and that's what Eric is trying to give back. He's trying to give the cops more power to do the job, but he's also enlisting the public to support them instead of attacking them.
3: That would be nice, wouldn't it? Uh, The other thing that's uh, to keep in mind, too, is that you lose two uh, two officers, uh, but you have five that have been shot since, and there was a vigil outside NYU Langone yesterday. So while this happens, it's pretty— a unit, it's pretty unanimous, it's a tragedy, wouldn't you think? And you know who's to blame, wouldn't you agree? Yes, but not according to the city council. There's a city council member where they, in Harlem where this shooting actually took place. Her name is Christine Richardson-Jordan, and she wrote on Twitter on Tuesday, uh, lives lost due to broken public... Uh, here it goes. Uh, city council member uh, tweeted this out. Uh, the lives lost due to a broken public safety and mental health system that spare nobody. She put out my deepest condolences to the families of Officer Jason Rivera, nice, Officer Wilbert Mara, appropriate, and LaShawn McNeil. Do you know who LaShawn McNeil is? He's the killer. And then she writes that it's the broken public safety and mental health system that let him down. The guy's trying to kill cops, and she's talking about how the public health system and mental uh, and, and mental system and his mental ability and didn't get the health care he needed. That's why he shot two cops, and he's had a life of crime really since 1998. This woman's going to keep her job? How does that happen? Incredible. So we got smash and grabs across the country in the most highfalutin areas possible. And then you have the, the random killings, and you have the subways. And I think the biggest story that's underreported is the amount of homeless. As I mentioned before, Russia and the Ukraine, the standoff continues. The good news is with every day that goes by, the Ukrainians get more and more armament. They have about 150,000 men and women in their police force, excuse me, in their military force. But the Russians are building up, too. They're doing uh, they're doing some exercises uh, off the coast of Ireland and of the Baltic Sea. And there's a sense that this invasion will happen. The question is, does it happen— Before, or does it happen after the Olympics? Or does Vladimir Putin say to himself, I really don't want to fight or get sanctioned by my best oil and gas customer, that's Europe. I don't want to deal with more economic strife and isolation that will be happening, according to the Wall Street Journal today and the Washington Post earlier, as they try to attack them at their rare earth, what they need to support their tech industry, what they need to support their iPhones. We have a way of corralling that and to, and denying that. The Wall Street Journal gets into details on that. You also could personally sanction Vladimir Putin and his other oligarchs, and they'll, they'll feel the pressure. So Javelin missiles are being delivered to the Ukraine. U.S. troops could be heading over to Europe. There's some doubt about that and some mis-messaging, but about 8500 will be going mostly to Poland. So almost, almost helping, kind of helping, $200 million worth of weaponry. But you know how much more the Russians have. So the president yesterday says he's going to get tough. I don't know if I'm buying it. What's at stake? Amy Walter weighed in. She's with the Click Political Report. We know how the president's numbers have suffered since the Afghanistan debacle, which he is solely to blame for. Cut 16.
0: They're also looking to see whether the president can live up to this moment. Crises shape perceptions of the president. This president already has had one crisis, which is the coronavirus. Uh, his perceptions of handling that have have sunk considerably. And, of course, on Afghanistan, his perceptions of how that pullout went very negatively. So whether or not people see that he has control of this issue, it's going to be very important for him going forward and gaining the trust of the American public.
3: Right. If he can get around- Right. And there's a lot that could go wrong. We already know that. We know the UK is stepping up and Germans is stepping out. Uh, Senator Lindsey Graham knows as much about foreign policy through uh, eyes on target than just about anybody out there. Cut 17.
6: I SUPPORT SENDING MORE TROOPS TO THE BALTIC REGIONS, MEMBERS OF NATO. AS PUTIN TRIES TO DISMANTLE NATO, WE NEED TO MAKE IT STRONGER AND HAVE A GREATER PRESENCE uh, IN HIS BACKYARD. BUT THE ONE THING I WANT TO LEAVE WITH YOU TONIGHT, THE UKRAINE IS FAR MORE IMPORTANT THAN JUST THE UKRAINE. THE CHINESE ARE WATCHING. AND if, IF PUTIN GETS AWAY WITH DISMANTLING THE UKRAINE, the Iranians will break out and try to get a bomb because they see weakness everywhere. So if you care about world order, you better get the Ukraine right.
3: I hear you. Uh, When we come back, Congressman Pat Fallon expands on that. Republicans and Democrats might be in agreement. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't move.
2: Giving you everything you need to know. You're with Brian Kilmeade.
9: Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts.
2: A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show.
5: There will be enormous consequences. If he were to go in and invade as he could the entire country or a lot less than that as well for Russia, not only in terms of economic consequences and political consequences, but it will be enormous consequences worldwide. This would be the largest if he were to move in with all those forces it'd be the largest invasion since World War Two. It would change the world.
3: But uh, they do supply most of the oil and gas to Europe. Could they stop that if sanctions come through? And are they already being affected by that? Congressman Pat Fallon knows uh, there's a lot at play here. He's with the House Armed Services Committee, serving the military uh, as an Air Force veteran congressman. First off, how perilous is this situation? Would you be surprised if there was an invasion before the Olympics?
9: Well, Brian, I'm not surprised that – I wouldn't be surprised that – I suspect it would come after – but I wouldn't be surprised it, was, it would be before either because Putin is that unpredictable and he's that dangerous.
3: That dangerous. Have you been on the ground there?
9: I have not been to Ukraine, no.
3: So what do you, uh, what do you want to, the Ukrainian people to know about America's support? We're not going to put troops in there, but we have given $200 million worth of hardware, correct?
9: Yes, uh, $200 million of lethal aid and $650 million uh, all in last year. You have to ask yourself, I think, when you start talking about the Ukraine, is does anyone think that we'd be witnessing the same situation we are today right now if the Ukraine had 300,000 well-trained, well-equipped, world-class troops? I don't think we would. And, you know, if if a nation wants to protect itself, it's got to step up. We can't do it for them. They have to do it themselves. And, unfortunately, Joe Biden has made a lot of missteps along the way in the past year as well.
3: So we got to the situation uh, how much pressure is on President Biden to get this out? If they do take this country, do you think Vladimir Putin will be satisfied by just taking the Ukraine?
9: Well, let's look at his past history, Brian. I mean, and this isn't the first time that he has had territorial aggression. 2008, he invaded Georgia and stole two provinces. In 2014, he stole the Crimea from the Ukraine. So this has been a pattern and, you know, the, the, you know, if you look at the – most of Europe, most of our NATO allies don't even spend 2 percent of their GDP on the military. But the Ukraine spends 4 percent because they're right next door to Russia. It's no coincidence that Armenia spends almost 5 percent because they're, they're quaking in their boots. They're, they're bordering a bully, and Putin is hell-bent, it seems, on reconstituting most of the old Soviet Union.
3: So you're going to get briefed today, a bipartisan briefing on the Ukraine. What questions do you have?
9: I would like to know exactly what aid we've given them, why they're – when we knew we knew about this buildup in November, and ranking member Rogers and Inhofe requested – they sent a letter to the administration requesting that air defense and anti-ship weaponry would be sent in, then. What It's inexplicable, the delay. Why are they just getting the stuff now? We knew about this three months ago. There's something called deterrence when you're discussing you know aggressive dictatorships and Putin is a bully and if he think about the cost so if he comes in with roughly 150,000 troops militarily they'll probably succeed quickly we hope not but we have to look upon that you know as in with not rose-colored glasses, but in reality. But then what does he do? Does he hold the Ukraine? It would take probably 350,000 Russian troops to hold a hostile Ukraine, a country of 44 million people. So he's got a lot of issues he's got to just, you know deal with as well.
3: So one thing's pretty clear. The Germans are not on board, uh, and people are mm-hmm. outraged. Berlin has refused to sell weapons to Ukraine and has pushed to open up a new pipeline for the Russian gas that bypasses Ukraine, I should add, when Germany's Navy chief, uh, this guy, K. Aachen Sch- Schoenlock. Said last week the Russian president, Vladimir Putin, deserved respect and that trying to win back Crimea, annexed back by Russia in 2014, was a lost cause. Next thing you know, there's so much controversy, he resigned, but Germany hasn't changed stances.
9: Well, that's one of the reasons why. Let's talk about uh, Biden's missteps. You know, the Nordstrom 2 pipeline and greenlighting that and not throwing uh, as many roadblocks and sanctions as we could. We
3: could uh, still do is, it
9: yes and we should do it i mean immediately it's ironic that he cancels the keystone in effect cancels the keystone pipeline thereby hamstringing us and yet greenlights uh, the the russians you know giving all that you know, having the ability to provide all that energy to a major economic power but we should also uh, they shouldn't have ever delayed the lethal aid and we don't even have an ambassador there. You're not signaling to the Russians that you're taking the Ukraine and you're showing the, uh, the importance and the priority uh, when you don't even have an ambassador there for a full year. Uh, we, we have analysis paralysis here, and this administration has been idle and asleep at the switch.
3: So I want you to hear what President Biden said yesterday. Cut 14.
0: Would you ever see yourself personally sanctioning him if he did invade Ukraine? Yes. You would?
3: I would see that. We haven't done that to this point, but he's one of the richest men in the world. Could we?
9: Yeah, why not? I mean, th- we should it, <laughs> we should have all means at our disposal, and, and everything should be on the table. And that's why I you don't signal to your adversary what you're going to do. You say all options on the table, and Biden has signaled that he would absolutely uh, not uh, put – Troops, they would put troops near the Ukraine, not in them. Now, I don't want to put troops in the Ukraine either. I would have uh, armed them to the teeth months ago. Um, but also, the, the worst thing he said, Brian, was a minor incursion? The hell is that? A minor incursion? You're just – are you signaling that it's okay to take a, You know, the eastern third of the Ukraine? W- was Crimea a minor incursion? Right. Was Georgia a minor incursion? It's ridiculous.
3: Uh, we're talking to Congressman Fat Fallon. Finally, the Wall Street Journal republican a report the Washington Post had initially taking a page of the Trump administration playbook like they did with Huawei. They're going to start uh, stopping the export of Russia and various products that the Russians use for microelectronics based on U.S. equipment, software, and technology. So from their iPhones to their high-tech equipment, we're going to start start wrestling it, collecting it, and stopping them from getting it. From what you know, could this work?
9: Could it I would say that, we, Brian, we need to outline all of the economic sanctions right now. We need to tell Putin exactly what happens, what are the consequences, and it should be all hands on deck via, vis-a-vis uh, economic sanctions. There should be immediately more lethal aid right now. We should completely sanction the Nordstrom True Pipeline. We cannot allow Germany to have a veto on United States policy. Thank you. We need, you know, we need to reinforce the, our NATO allies as well. And, you know, I have right. to tell you, Brian, a lot of folks in the 4th District of Texas are telling me that we're worried about the security of the Ukraine. What about the security of our own southern border with Mexico?
3: Great point. Rich Lowry next. Thank you, Pat Fallon.
2: A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade.
4: These monocloners were highly effective against the Delta variant to keep people out of hospitals. We have been using them with patients coming in during the Omicron wave, and we have seen success anecdotally. Now, we haven't run a clinical trial, but neither did the FDA. They're relying on one study, which was an observational study. It was not a clinical trial. It was not peer-reviewed that said the two monoclonals aren't effective against Omicron. It was done by a consultant for one of the rival drug companies. Now, if you do clinical trials, maybe it'll end up being the case But, man, that's very flimsy evidence to take this treatment away from people. And we had thousands of people in the queue at our treatment sites in Florida, Laura, and they all of a sudden wake up to saying that you're out of luck because of the whims of the Biden administration. What they're doing is just fundamentally wrong.
3: And that is Governor Ron DeSantis just wanting to get a therapeutic that was effective and found out it was taken away because the government in one study says it didn't work. Jen Psaki answered uh, the same way they always answer. They look at him as a huge threat. Cut 23.
10: Let's just take a step back here just to realize how crazy this is a little bit. Um, We've approached uh, COVID treatments like filling a medicine cabinet. We're not relying on one type, one brand or treatment. We invested in and continue to buy a variety across monoclonal antibodies, pre-exposure prevention therapies and oral antivirals. What the FDA is making clear is that these treatments, the ones that they are fighting over, that the governor is fighting over, do not work against Omicron. And they have side effects. That is what the scientists are saying. We have sent them 71,000 doses of treatments that are effective against Omicron and are effective also against Delta. Uh, and they are still advocating uh, for treatments that don't work.
3: He, they took two away from one study. So this guy is doing these things and the the Washington loves getting back at governor. Ron DeSantis, and they always lose. Rich Lowry joins us now, editor of the National Review, author of the Case for Nationalism. Hey, Rich, welcome back. What's your take on this latest sparring session?
6: You know, I, I don't know what to think particular, uh, particularly about this treatment, but it's just been bizarre throughout the entire pandemic. The left has hot, had had a, a simmering hostility against treatments, and and they've been much more favorably inclined to the medieval way of dealing with the pandemic. Medieval way is you social distance, you know, you stay in your house and you wear masks. You know, those techniques haven't changed in hundreds and hundreds of years, but the advantage of living in a modern 21st century society is that, you know, you learn more and you get treatments and you get vaccines and uh, you you use all that. Um, So, uh, I haven't delved in this one in detail, but it seems to fit with that theme of a hostility towards treatments. And just look, people are going to get the virus. You know, we've established now, whether they're vaccinated or not, people are going to get the virus. They're going to get sick. So you have to deal with that fact. Instead, there's this constant attitude of shaming people for getting sick or saying there's something wrong with them or actually saying they shouldn't get treatment or go to the back of the, the queue at hospitals.
3: So uh, these two go back and forth, uh, and treatment, of course, they didn't preorder any of the therapeutic from Pfizer uh, or Merck, so we're not going to really see any type of substantial distribution until the spring. He's got a total pass on that.
6: Yeah. No, it's the, the, you know, we've talked about this before, just the the standards that applied when Trump was president don't apply now, where anything that went wrong in the entire federal government during the, the first year of the pandemic was attributed to Trump and attributed to his ill attentions, and, uh, it, and he was accused of, of cold-blood murder over it. And th- that, that rule is just totally off now, <laughs> obviously just based on who's in the White House.
3: So, uh, Rich Larry, our guest. Rich, uh, with Fox Uh, Special report on Fox is running a special uh, about Anthony Fauci and what his cadre of so-called experts uh, were up to and what they knew about this pandemic when it started. And it seems to though there's uh, since been some uh, degree of collusion when it comes to this being a lab leak. There's a timeline here that I think is noteworthy. Fauci was told that the NIAD have been indirectly funding the Wuhan lab uh, through Echo Health. That's on January 27th. On the 31st, Dr. Christian Anderson, a noted virologist uh, at the Scripps lab, privately told Fauci that after discussing with colleagues, the COVID 19 features look possibly engineered and the genome is inconsistent with expectations. From evolutionary theory, same day, later, Fauci organized a call with dozens of worldwide virologists and notes for the meeting obtained by Special Report Reveal. The suspicions of a lab leak theory were suppressed over concerns of how the public would react to hold on to something, to news of possible Chinese government involvement. A consensus was reached in the call that the lab origin should not be mentioned in a paper because it will add fuel to the (coughs) conspiracy theories. What is your reaction from what we know? Not an opinion. What we know.
6: I mean, just what you know. It it, it sounds like a bad movie, right? That that the the scientists would be in, involved in research at this lab that it is plausibly unfortunately we 'll never know probably one way or the other, but plausibly a source of the virus and and then they try to suppress that information and just it, this just um, it, it wasn 't just scientists doing it, you know it ended up being all, all the gatekeepers of the the media and social media trying to shut down the view that this might have come from a lab, and we 've had more and more indication of plausibility. That view, and this is just a, a just an incredible dereliction of duty, not to be forthcoming about this and to try to hide the ball. And it, you know, start at the beginning. We know more about how it started at the beginning, but we've also seen it in plain sight. You know, under the questioning of Rand Paul, Anthony Fauci has been extremely loyally at best and weaselly about this, and that's just not what you um, expect or um, should accept in your public health. Authorities, tell us the truth, you know, and, and they, they're worried it's going to fuel conspiracy theories. That's not their concern. The, the facts are the concern and something that it, it has had such grave consequences in this country and around the world. Let us know the truth. And, and they tried to hide the ball from the beginning.
3: The lab leak theory uh, had so much juice, it ended up no longer being banned or shelved by if you tweeted something like that out. But think about the, the communications we know that he had with, the, with Mark Zuckerberg. We know there's communications that he had with Bill Gates. And suddenly, when you write things like that, you could have the best credentials and the best background. Uh, your, your social media sites were t- mm-hmm. taken down, right? Mm-hmm. Your, your YouTube video was not allowed to be shown, even if you're a sitting senator. And yet you see collusion with Fauci and these uh, social media heads who are titans, bigger than some most countries in terms of their uh, volume and their power. Uh, and then now you still see people like Ron DeSantis, who won't go along with the program, constantly being vilified.
6: Yeah, I mean, it's just – it's very corrosive. It it feeds a, a cynicism about um, the, the establishment in this country and that the people – in, in power. And just there's so many areas. you know, Just look at, at school masking. If you just get your, your news very loosely from certain cable outlets or re- reading headlines online, you'd have no idea that a- around the advanced world, the United States is the only country that masks kids in schools the way we do. The only country that masks them so young. The only country that has a public health authority that recommends masking kids to and above, even though there's zero chance that the masks they're wearing are going to make a difference. There's zero chance they're going to wear them. Properly All day long. There's zero chance they're going to be not be degraded by, you know, getting wet and, and whatnot. And these kids aren't a major threat for transmitting the virus in the first place. And um, thank God are, are really not susceptible to getting very sick. So it makes zero sense at any level. But there's been kind of this gospel and orthodoxy mm-hmm. created around that and around other issues that uh, just doesn't have a factual basis.
3: Well, I just think, number one, you're going to have that. And I think people, for example, I look at the Washington Post and CNN's Josh Rogan. Why are they not leading with him? He's one of the foremost experts mm-hmm. on this whole lab situation, and China's government specifically. Why is it that Jamie Metzl, who worked for Obama and Clinton's organization and is an advisor to the WHO, has one welcome outlet? It's us, and 60 Minutes did one thing with him. But besides that, anytime he wants to go on and talk about the lab leak— not not political congressional races he only has interests from us yet we're yeah. all affected by this pandemic now the other subpot to this it's what's happening and you just mentioned with kids and masks we know that we have another ron desantis like mind meld going on with governor Yunkin. he wants to put the power back to the parents even though it's very much a purple state like florida he said guys no longer have to mask your kids it's your decision Now these schools are pushing back and saying, yeah, it's my decision as a a school superintendent, wear the masks. Here's a little of the outrage from last night in Loudoun County, Cut 26.
5: Why well, can't they allow parents to actually exercise their choices allowed under
9: Governor Young to do executive order? That's all we're asking. Give us the choice.
0: We are segregated from all other students who are wearing masks. Um, we are told to use different bathrooms and we are told when we can and cannot go to the bathroom or go through water. These girls are modern day freedom fighters and there are many that are taking their stand.
3: So with the governor's mandate, they went to school without masks. So they were segregated in a certain area, and they could only go to the bathroom in a certain bathroom and only get water at a certain time. And we saw it in New York. They had an order that uh, was backed up. You could not have indoor mask mandates. They stayed that order. Parents showed up. The kids didn't have masks. The superintendents pushed back in a lot of different counties and districts. And then the state order creating total chaos and confusion. I know where I stand on this, giving parents control where do you think the American people stand?
6: I think increasingly we're we're, we're winning this debate, and the tide is is turning. And Yunkin is a sign of it. I'm not sure about the legal authority of that executive order. I think it is in a nebulous uh, area, but just politically and in terms of shining a light on this and empowering the parents who want to push back, it is uh, it's been really useful. And and I, I just feel it. You know, where where I live in my local community. People are sick of it. they begin to get the message that it makes zero sense. So I think, I think the tide is turning on this one.
3: Uh, well, yeah, I guess we'll see where this goes. Lastly, you surprised Nancy Pelosi is going to run again for a 19th term?
6: <laughs> it just never ends. I mean, we think these Democratic leaders are older, old now when they're in their upper 70s and 80s. I guess we're going to push into the 90s. You know, why stop?
3: <laughs> do you think that she had a choice? Do you think that because if she says, I'm not running, uh, you know, she's hard enough getting people to listen to you if you're going to be the minority leader or not leader, and then if you say you're not – if you say you're not running or if you say you are running, makes yeah. her more relevant. Because Paul Ryan, I thought, made a huge mistake yeah.
6: in announcing yep, and yep. holding. That's exactly the example I, I was I was thinking of. Yeah, that, that could be playing playing into the, her, her thinking here. And Ryan did – Kind of by being honest about it and upfront about it, right at the at the outset when he made the decision, did did make him render himself a lame duck.
3: Uh, Rich Lowry, uh, thanks so much, appreciate it.
6: Hey, thanks, Brian. Talk uh, to you soon. All
3: uh, right, Rich Lowry, editor of the National Review. When we come back, we you open up the phones. 1-866-408-7669. 7669 You listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Your calls next.
2: Expanding your knowledge base. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. The more you listen, the more you'll know.
5: It's Brian Kilmeade. You know, there's so much fear around this. The media plays a big role in that. I mean, the fear porn that is put out day after day, I think causes you know, a lot of strife and stress for people. And I think because I don't watch the news or don't subscribe to uh, the same type of mainstream narrative at times, and there's... Uh, anger uh, kind of thrown my way but the root of that i think is is fear and so i do have empathy for those people who are caught in this fear state around covid that has been continued to be pushed and and furthered by media and by some of the narratives that are out there and i do have have empathy for that
3: so aaron rogers talking about not only his loss uh, in the game, a stunning loss, and he's got to decide what team he wants to play for next year. And I think because he got a guarantee from the Packers doesn't to come back. But he was talking about the anger that's directed towards him. When it came out, he wasn't vaccinated. And and from Howard Stern on down, he does could not care less. In fact, he seemed to thrive on the unrest. But he said these people are so enraged and incited, he blames the media. I actually blame the mismessaging from the so-called experts – from people on high. In the beginning, we didn't know what hit us, but there's really no excuse now. They still won't level with how it started. They don't tell us that masks were ineffective. Now they tell us N95s. Then they told us originally, you can't have an N95 mask because they got to be fitted to you. Now they're going to mail them out to us for free. They told us we had enough tests. Now we didn't have enough tests. Now they're mailing us tests and they're from a place they told us they would never subscribe to again, and that's China. Look at the box. It says made in China, coming from the post office. Are we ever going to learn not only does their stuff suck, but we should not be going to China for these tests still. Rob, listening on the Fox News radio app in Westchester. Hey, Rob.
9: Hey, what's going on, Brian?
3: Hey, what's on your mind?
9: Just um, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, months ago, uh, Biden took away the antibody treatments from uh, DeSantis in Florida. Yes. And then DeSantis went out and got him on his own, right? Yep. So now, because he got them on his own, he has his FDA Disapprove of them, so he can't go out his own and get them. And if this was Trump, I mean, this would be the world burnt to the ground. Absolutely, and him killing people. So uh, I don't understand how. We and Rob, allow the other that.
3: thing is, did you hear what he said? That he looked into it, and there's three uh, monoclonal antibodies. Uh, they said only one's effective. But then he looked at the study. Says this is one study done by somebody that has a horse in this race. I want him, and they took him away. How would, how would they get away with not giving you medicine that you could help make you better? is unbelievable to me. Uh, and that and that's uh, Ron DeSantis is going to keep fighting and hopefully embarrass this administration to do the right thing. Therese in North Carolina. Hey, Therese.
11: Hello,
3: Therese, you're on. What's Hello? on your mind?
11: Okay. Um, I want to address this sweep that we're supposed to have in November, and I just want to caution you that we don't necessarily have this in the bag. As a coach, you tell your players, Fear no one, but respect everyone. Right. And I'll give you a recent uh, example. Our North Carolina girls basketball team was down by 14 in the fourth quarter against Louisville, and they came back and beat them by 11. So you, all these uh, Democrats are giving up their seats, but you do not know the competition. You don't know who's running. You don't know what they're going to say to these people. They may be saying everything. These Democrats, right? These you're right, Therese. We do here. not know.
3: We do not know if there's okay. going to be a war in Europe. Number one. Number two. We don't know if Roe v. Wade is going to be overturned. That's going to incite and energize and anger people all at once. So that could definitely change things. Uh, the one thing that I'm, I'm watching, Mark Penn, now a, a very esteemed political analyst, he said, "Yeah, you could definitely save it. You could definitely save the midterms if you're Joe Biden, but you got to change." There's no indication, Therese, that he's changing. But thanks so much for the call. Good point. Don't, don't act like the House is yours. You just got to focus on the Senate. I'm for that. I understand that. What I also thought is uh, interesting is that the big fight now is on freedom, not so much to go in the park or travel, although it is to a degree because everybody wants a vaccine card but it's also the willingness to speak and get other point of view. So if Anthony Fauci says it, and if everyone agrees with it, you can stay on YouTube, you can stay on Twitter, you can stay on social media. But if you interview somebody, like, for example, in MySpace, that is uh, esteemed but might have a counter view of a pandemic, they clearly, so many of the so-called experts have gotten wrong. They ban you. As I mentioned before, Senator Rand Paul does an interview uh, with Clay Travis on his radio show. They put it up on YouTube, and they get their – they get the the interview banned because they didn't like what rand paul was saying and the same thing now with joe rogan he's interviewing people with great resumes that really don't like what's going on in this country and everyone's trying to cancel him the latest guy to try it who's totally clueless on the power that he has is neil young he's saying the the legend is saying me or joe rogan you got to make a decision because i'm going to pull my music off spotify hey neil Sorry, I'll miss you.
2: Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox & Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade.
3: Thanks so much for being here, everybody. I'm in the crime-ridden New York City right now, but heard around the country, heard around the world, and if you cannot get the show live, and I wish you can, I uh, wish you do, please uh, download the podcast. This hour, we're going to be joined by the former ambassador to the United Nations, uh, Nikki Haley, who I think is going to, if Donald Trump doesn't run, be a leading contender to, be, uh, to get the Republican nomination, and Dr. Marty McCary has got a brand new editorial it's about to come out in the Wall Street Journal. He'll preview it exclusively for us right here, and it is explosive So let's get to the big three
2: now with the stories you need to know. It's Brian's big three.
4: Number three. Look, in Florida, we just anticipate hostility from this administration. That's just what they do. Uh, They are much they are much more interested in picking political fights than they are of actually being there for the people in our state that need this assistance.
3: Battle on all fronts, from vax to boosters to masks in school. America is squaring off for a death match, it seems. And in other news, the worst of COVID-19 seems to be over. And maybe we're turning the corner, but don't let that slow you down. And by the way, St. Fauci, turns out he knew a lot more about a lab leak than we ever thought he did.
5: Number two. I made it clear to uh, President Putin that if he were to move into... Ukraine, that there'd be severe consequences, including significant economic sanctions, as well as I would feel obliged to beef up our NATO's presence in on the eastern front. Did we just wake him up? Holding pattern. Seems the
3: West is deciding how much they're willing to do to stop the invasion of the Russians while they wait and they watch and they observe they have two two levers of power. Number one, they got this big army; they could crush the Ukraine, it seems, and they could stop oil and gas shipments to their best customer, Europe. Should we sanction them? Should they? What if they do both? Will that put us into non-action? Like, let's say, Germany.
7: Number one, illegal guns is an important first step, but we must also address bail reform in our pre-trial detention system. We must allow judges to take dangerousness into account. New York is the only state in the country that does not allow a judge to detain a defendant who poses an immediate threat to the community.
3: Crime and pledge of punishment by the Democratic mayor is met with rebuke by New York City legislature and New York State legislature. This in the wake of the death of the second cop who was shot on Friday. How much longer are the American people going to take left-wing criminal apologists and let them run our city streets into the ground and be overrun by homeless? So let's shelve that conversation, and you get on board and talk about it in 15 minutes, one 866 But let's talk about the number one issue on most kitchen tables and dining room and classrooms, and that is what's happening with the pandemic. Dr. McCary, am I, as a Fox News contributor surgeon and a professor of health policy at Hopkins and author of The Price We Pay, am I wrong to think that we're about, we are turning the corner in many states on this variant?
12: We are Brian. We're in a good spot. We're, the numbers are showing a steep decline. There's still some parts of the country where the virus is still um, still peaking, and the hospitals are going to be strained. But the hospitals are not necessarily strained from the influx of patients alone. We normally have a massive influx of patients every winter from a number of respiratory pathogens. Sometimes it's a bad flu season. The difference is this time we've got a massive staffing shortage. One in five workers in healthcare. Have left. And if you look at what happened at Washington State, they fired 55 workers from this hospital system called Multicare. And then they were so short staffed, they told people who tested positive who were working, even if you have COVID, come back into work. Even if you have symptoms, we are that short staffed. That's the problem with the staffing crisis that people don't know about.
3: So you are saying. Let's reinstate the workers fired under the vax mandate because the new data shows natural immunity has equal to, if not better, uh, immunity than the vaccine. We saw how the vaccine was so, uh, uh, I guess, inadequate when it came to this variant to begin with, along with boosters. We're seeing all these double vaxed booster people suffering and getting this variant. So you're saying unfire them, bring them back. You need them it's time to
12: reinstate American workers who were fired under the vaccine mandate for a number of reasons. Number one, it was unfair. Number two, we have therapeutics now that really mean no one should be dying of COVID. And number three, it turns out many of them had natural immunity. And when, when employers fired workers with natural immunity, they got rid of the workers least likely to spread the infection That's the great irony. The data are now in. It's clear. The CDC itself has a study. And Johns Hopkins, as you know, my team has been doing a big study on natural immunity, and we just got the the, uh, early results, which I put in today's Wall Street Journal piece.
3: So what more can you tell us about the editorial that has not come out yet and from the study that you guys conducted?
12: Well, one of the arguments that public health officials have used to discount natural immunity, and we're one of the only countries that blows it off, is they say, we don't know how long it lasts. Well, the NIH has $42 billion, why don't you just study it? You could do the study with about 100 people, you just invite them in, who were infected in New York two years ago and test their blood. So we did that study and we looked at 295 people with natural immunity, they they were not vaccinated, and we found that the immunity was strong nearly two years out from the infection. So it is now a settled science Natural immunity is durable and effective for as long as the infection's been around.
3: Did it vary person to person? Did it vary on the size and gender of the person? 99, 99% of these uh,
12: subjects we studied had <clears throat> antibody levels that were almost as effective and consistent as they had in the early time of their recovery. And there was some small variation, but we're talking within a 1% of that sample.
3: Pretty amazing. I mean, because I know people that got it, uh, had the natural immunity, and they had tested their antibodies, and they seemed to have faded, but you didn't find that.
12: It turns out that there's a low level ex- of exposure that we think people have. So even once you've recovered from COVID, there's sort of almost a low-level stimulation of that immune system because it's everywhere. And certainly with Omicron, we know it is everywhere. Even public health officials now are finally admitting everyone's going to get it.
3: So not only is the healthcare workers who are asked to work through the night and through this all the questions with this pandemic they got fired unceremoniously would you also say that should go beyond healthcare what about the truck drivers uh, what about the uh, the other walks of life that were told they can't uh, they can't work because they're not vaccinated look at this
12: point if someone is unvaccinated either they've been so hardened by these what they see as excessive government policies they're probably not going to get vaccinated we're really not seeing new vaccinations at this point And chances are that they have natural immunity. Now, 50 to 60 percent of truck drivers are not vaccinated. What are we going to do, fire them and have our country wounded and no supply chain so we can't get the chemotherapy in the hospital that we need? And by the way, we are seeing shortages in chemo. Or are we going to recognize they've got natural immunity and the pandemic has reached very low levels and essentially 100 percent of new infections now are with Omicron, which now the data shows is less dangerous than influenza. So we've got to reinstate these truck drivers, the supply chain. We've got to get the country moving. People don't just die of viral replication. They die of hopelessness and poverty and all kinds of uh, substance abuse and mental problems. We've been blowing that, that data off. And those soldiers who were dishonorably discharged need to immediately be reinstated with their rank, and back compensation, including restoring that period of lost pension pay.
3: So Dr. Marty McCary has revealed a, a Hopkins study that shows that if you had the virus two years later, um, you have the antibodies to still have immunity. So that is huge news. I'm going to add to that. What if you were vaccinated and then you had got it or breakthrough case or you got it and then got vaccinated? Does that double your immunity? It
12: increases it by 3.8 percent. So hybrid immunity, yes, is more effective. But remember, the vaccine give you almost a sugar high of antibodies where that will wear off in terms of its protection against getting the infection. And your protection against hospitalization and severe disease is still solid with vaccinated or natural immunity.
3: Where does boosters uh, fall into this study? So,
12: again, boosters... Can give, you know, boosters were studied 10 weeks after the booster in the UK, and the protection against getting the infection plummeted. It plummeted to 35% with Pfizer and 45% with Moderna just 10 weeks after the booster. So either we're going to get boosters every three months, no thank you, or we're going to realize that the protection against severe disease is solid enough that we can live our lives.
3: Where do you stand on masks uh, right now? I was kind of shot a few weeks ago uh, watching even Dr. Scott Gottlieb. Yeah, it turns out cloth masks only, only protect you 5%, but it's worth doing. And now they say we well, you need better masks. Uh, number one, I'm not wearing an N95 mask. You, one of the first things I heard from doctors is N95 masks need to be fitted. Now we just forgot about that. And number two is instead of taking them off, they're just trying to bulk them up. Is, is, that, the, is that what's going on in the medical community?
12: Well, these arguments are going to fall apart in three weeks when there's almost no infection in the community. And remember, we're fighting Omicron now. It's really not COVID. It's acting and behaving like a different virus, because only there's only been one death out of 52,000 cases in the Kaiser Southern California study, which is lower than influenza. So what are we going to do next school year when rhinovirus circulates or echinovirus or parainfluenza virus are we going to have kids wear masks forever in perpetuity? Um, in full disclosure, I'm an advisor to Governor Youngkin, and this is a hot issue in the state. And his feeling is that, look, if the kid is struggling with a mask, the parent should have a say. When you have a disabled child who is vaccinated and is forced to wear a cloth mask and speech pathology, the parents should have a say. And ironically, there's a lot of focus on Virginia, but Not the blue state of Pennsylvania, which has had masks optional the entire time. That's not the subject of media scrutiny. But somehow giving parents the option in Virginia is seen as sort of a step backwards. Cloth masks don't work. That's what the data show. And you can either strap them to a respirator or an N95, which, by the way, I wear those in the hospital. They're not easy to wear long term. Some people do fine with them. Some people struggle with them. Um, We just got to realize we have to learn to live with this because we have a mental health crisis. We cannot ignore that data.
3: True. Uh, is it true they have to be fitted?
12: They work best if they're fitted, but you know, I'll tell you, I see nurses and doctors loosen them at the end of a long shift. They're not easy to wear for a long time.
3: I want you to bring it to this controversy. I know you have patients and, and teaching, uh, but monoclonal antibodies, I guess there's different types. Governor Ron DeSantis, I want to bring you into this uh, conversation he's having. Cut 21
4: these monoclonals were highly effective against the Delta variant to keep people out of hospitals. We have been using them with patients coming in during the Omicron wave, and we have seen success anecdotally. Now we haven't run a clinical trial, but neither did the FDA. They're relying on one study, which was an observational study. It was not a clinical trial. It was not peer reviewed that said the two monoclonals aren't effective against Omicron. It was done by a consultant for one of the rival drug companies. Now, if you do clinical trials, maybe it'll end up being the case. But, man, that's very flimsy evidence to take this treatment away from people. And we had thousands of people in the queue at our treatment sites in Florida, Laura, and they all of a sudden wake up to saying that you're out of luck because of the whims of the Biden administration. What they're doing is just fundamentally wrong.
3: Wrong. And, and, I mean, it could result in in people suffering— unnecessarily what's going on here do you know the the bureaucratic uh, what's going on with this bureaucracy behind the scenes what we're, we're what we're
12: seeing is the heavy hand of the federal government in reaching into the doctor's office because florida has argued that sure this new the monoclonal antibodies don't work against omicron hardly at all or very well But you know what? Maybe there's some Delta floating around out there. Maybe doctors have had a different experience and maybe doctors want to test their patients to see if it's Delta or Omicron. And if it's Delta, which is more likely to make you very sick, then they may want to use it. What we also saw was an erratic announcement. You had people driving to their appointment to get the monoclonal antibodies, told when they got there, oh, you can't get it. The government just announced you're not allowed to take this. How about some warning or heads up? <laughs> I mean, yeah. people have a right to be frustrated.
3: Oh, absolutely. How do you know the difference between Delta and Omicron with these tests? Aren't they the same test? And do they look different? I mean, how do you know?
12: Yeah, the rapid tests are the same, but the PCR machine can do an additional test called an S gene mutation, which is an indicator that it's Omicron. And it's pretty, pretty accurate. And so I talked to Dr. Ladapo and in Florida, they thought, you know, some doctors are using that test, it takes a little special work to get the lab to do it. But you know, it's helpful in figuring things out. It it has been uh, over the last few weeks when when Delta still been around.
3: Uh, Dr. McCarry, the big news, your Wall Street Journal uh, column will, will expand on it, but you believe that we should reinstate the workers fired under the VAX mandates because new data shows the natural immunity that many had is better than the vaccine itself. Uh, and, and right now, when it comes to the hospital workers in particular, it is a five-alarm fire. You are so short-staffed. Uh, so absolutely. Thanks for sharing that. Is, Go ahead.
12: Connecticut is rehiring workers now. They got rid of their vaccine mandate. Starbucks is doing it. America needs to do it.
3: Thank you, uh, Dr. Marty McCara, the voice of reason. Thank you, sir. Thanks. 1 866 408 7669. When we come back, your turn to talk. That was extremely informative. I hope you agree. And then we go international with one of the best in the business, Ambassador Nikki Haley. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show.
2: Learning something new every day on The Brian Kilmeade Show. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade.
6: We have just uh, approved another $200 million. Uh, of assistance, security assistance to the Ukrainian Armed Forces. We have uh, put uh, an additional 8,500 troops on heightened alert just yesterday to have to go perhaps, maybe, haven't been deployed yet, to bolster the NATO response force. We're not ruling off the table uh, uh, any unilateral U.S. troops also uh, inside Europe or even going to Europe uh, to help bolster our our, our, our allies and uh, reassure them. Uh, so I, I, and not not to mention the fact that, uh, that we've been very clear with Mr. Putin about the severe economic consequences that he might suffer. He might,
3: and he also could make the Europeans suffer because he provides almost all the oil and gas. They said even when the Soviet Union was falling apart, they kept it going, oil and gas. Because, uh, for one thing, selfish reason, the Russians, that's all they have, this is for the most part, they export. Number two... It was the control they had, and already Europe is nervous about this and it's causing oil and gas prices to rise over the prospect that sanctions would cause a return sanction to the European allies. But why are they dealing with this? So there's a quick push now to get their oil and gas from Middle Eastern customers, uh, uh, partners like the UAE and Saudi Arabia, to redirect. Why Europe and why, if I'm a leader in these European nations, I would subject my people to the whims of the Russians and this Vladimir Putin is totally irresponsible and in Germany's case, they're so in bed with the Russians, they basically might as well just bow out of NATO. They want no part of it. You can't have an overflight over Germany if they have weapons for the Ukraine. How? And not only are you not helping, you're taking a side by not helping. You're helping the Russians, and you're more worried about your energy, and I guess the strong Russian element within your country? I mean, that's embarrassing. Amy Walter on what's on the uh, on what's at stake for President Biden cut 16
0: They're also looking to see whether the president can live up to this moment. Crises shape perceptions of the president. This president already has had one crisis, which is the coronavirus. Uh, His perceptions of handling that have have sunk considerably. And, of course, on Afghanistan, his perceptions of how that pullout went very negatively. So whether or not people see that he has control of this issue, it's going to be very important for him going forward and gaining the trust of the American public.
3: So we don't have uh, an ambassador right now in Ukraine. That doesn't help. There's nobody nominated, and that's ridiculous. Ambassador Nikki Haley will be with us, former ambassador to the U.N., Uh, and she's going to tell us what she would do with her experience and what Vladimir Putin is actually like and how to brush him back and what President Biden is not doing. And we all hope he does. That story more when we come back.
2: Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show.
5: There will be enormous consequences if he were to go in and invade, as he could, the entire country, or a lot less than that as well, for Russia, not only in terms of economic consequences and political consequences, but it will be enormous consequences worldwide. This would be the largest, if he were to move in with all those forces, it would be the largest invasion since World War II. That's it would change the world.
3: Do you agree? Uh, let's ask Ambassador Nikki Haley, um, best-selling author as well, former governor of South Carolina. Uh, Ambassador, welcome back.
11: Thanks so much, Brian. Good to be
3: with you. Uh, same here. Uh, first off, what about, do you think he was overstating it, largest uh, invasion since World War II? It's probably not, right? This, that would be it.
11: Well, you know, that's besides the point, because the reality is he's not doing anything about it. You know, like this deterrence is a real thing. If you look back at during the Trump administration, I mean, we my very first Security Council speech was against Russian aggression in Ukraine and. You know, whether we were taking on Russia or North Korea or China or Iran, the whole point is you stand tough, you stand strong, and you let them know you mean business. And when you do that, you deter them. What happened with Biden is he showed weakness everywhere. I mean, it started with Afghanistan. You watched us basically sell out our allies, you saw Americans fall. Now you're looking at Russia. One, you caved on Nord Stream 2. You, you caved when it came to Germany and, and literally calling them out, which Trump and, and all of our administration did on Nord Stream 2. You now are sitting there just waiting for Putin to act. You should Biden should be doing something now. He should be doing sanctions now. He should be strengthening the spine of NATO now. They should be sending anti-aircraft, anti-ship, anti-tank missiles. Because that's what Russia doesn't want. And they should be hitting Russia where it hurts. They are a one-industry country. They should be hitting them in within the energy sector. And he's not doing any of that. He's just talking about how bad it's going to be.
3: So here's what they say. Uh, 25% of the embassy personnel are gone. Biden is not seeking any more aid to Ukraine than has already been authorized. So he's got 200000000 million. He'll cap that. Sanctions against Russia will remain reactive. Not not uh, not be put in place now, as Senator Lindsey Graham is talking about. And U.S. Uh, made it clear: U.S. will not deploy troops into Ukraine and cannot deploy troops to NATO. But can and cannot deploy troops to NATO countries unless a formal request is made by the U.S. and all thirty NATO countries agree. I did not know that.
11: Yeah, I mean, you know, first of all, is there any wonder that there's thirty planes flying over Taiwan right now? I mean, they see this as the biggest opportunity. Putin knows this is a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. He knows that he'll never get a weak U.S. president like this again, and he's taking advantage of it. But the reality is, you know, one thing we did with NATO and one thing that President Trump did really well was he stiffened NATO's spine, one, in that not letting Germany get away with things, two, making them spend more on their defense budgets for such a time as this, when Russia tried to pull something, and three, making sure that we led the charge on what was going to happen. Right now, you see NATO's kind of all over the place. There's no leadership by America, so they kind of don't know what to do, and it leaves everybody vulnerable. And, you know, Biden should be literally meeting with NATO right now. They should have a united front. They should be doing this in a way that other countries want to join. And everybody right now is acting like they want to cut and run. It's a dangerous time in the world.
3: Well, uh, that is absolutely true. And yesterday he took off. It looks like he just took off and got ice cream at about 4 o'clock. Can you believe that? Um, with uh, amb- I mean,
11: it's, it's so tone deaf. It's so tone deaf.
3: So right now, uh, talk about Germany. I just want to get people on the record in this. It's not just saying Germany's not with us. They're actually making people, if you want to fly and drop off weapons to Ukraine, you can't use their airspace. They refuse to sell weapons to Ukraine, period. And we know the Navy chief, uh, K. Akin Shogunbach, I don't know if you know him, said last week that the Russian president, Vladimir Putin, deserves respect, and they're trying to win back Crimea, annexed by Russia, is a lost cause. So they just said, well, it's embarrassing. You have to leave. But they have no interest in taking part in this, and they are the economic behemoth of Europe. That's devastating, Ambassador.
11: So interestingly enough, um, when I was at the U.N., one of the things that we pushed on, and President Trump was saying it to all of our European allies, was we cannot let Germany get away with this. And that's why Nord Stream 2 was on hold. We basically told the other Europeans, don't let them do this to you. Russia will hold you hostage. We've got to stop this. And we kept it at bay. There is not enough talk about what Biden did. Biden literally Caved on Nord Stream Two. The, I mean, they gave Russia everything they wanted. Biden gave Russia Nord Stream Two. Biden sent back one of the 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 prisoners that we had that um, they wanted that had been accused of, you know, cyber attacks. Biden has literally given Russia so much. And they're not holding Germany account. What they should be doing is having a NATO meeting right now and telling Germany that they're conflicted and can't make any decisions because every decision right. they're making is selfish and it's it's got to stop. And this is a really good opportunity for for the U.S. and for NATO to call out Germany for what it's doing, which is really putting everybody else in harm's way. It
3: would have certainly helped if they did something positive. Uh, Ambassador of Wall Street Journal had a story. The Washington Post. Uh, began uh, a few days ago. It says the U.S. preparing to impose export controls on critical sectors of the Russian economy and withhold uh, different things that they need for their weapon systems and their iPhones. Uh, this is something that they uh, reportedly is something that the, you guys did under President Trump with Huawei, and it destroyed their com- uh, It really hurt their, con- uh, their company. From what you know, does this look like something that's potent?
11: Yeah. So what you want to do is you want to hit their energy sector. You want to hit the financial sector. And Huawei is a great way to hit that, because, look, I mean, if you look at the dynamics of Russia, it is not popular in Russia right now for Putin to invade. Russians don't want him to do it. They don't want to lose lives. They know Putin knows it's costly and he knows he can't do it this is him leveraging to see what he can get he doesn't want ukraine and nato he doesn't want nato to expand and he's pushing the envelope as far as he can get it if he sees an opportunity right he'll go in there if he doesn't so what we have to watch is what are the dates that are really in question he's not going to do it during the olympics because he cares a lot about his athletes winning medals during the olympics between February 20th and March 1st, February 20th being the last day of the Olympics, and March 1st when he has to give the State of the Union address. Biden's administration needs to be looking at those days, and they need to impose such hard sanctions now on things like Huawei, where the Russian people feel it, that Putin gets backlash from that. That's how they have to be looking at as. What do the Russian people want? Because when you do that, that puts the pressure on on Putin to have to step back. And that's the kind of thing that we've got to see. But you don't wait for them to invade to do it. You do it right now so that he starts to feel Mm -hmm. the pressure.
3: So Richard Haass of uh, Council of Foreign Relations said this in response to that Wall Street Journal editorial about hitting their tech sector.
8: The Wall Street Journal editorial, it's one thing to prepare for sending all these forces uh, to allies. I get it. That's a smart thing to do, to reduce any warning time if we have to do it. But I don't think we should do it yet. The whole idea is to signal to Putin, that's one of the prices you will pay if you go ahead. The whole idea is to still... Changes calculus about the costs and benefits of going in. So I think we're, do, we're exactly right to prepare those forces, put them on a short warning time, but not not to send them yet. That'll be ought to be held in reserve. We can do it if if that time should come that Putin actually in, uh, intervenes in, in Ukraine.
3: So he's still reactive, and you're not for that.
11: No, that was the Obama approach, you know. And then we saw Crimea um, get taken. What they should do is. First of all, I don't think we have to go and send in forces. I think if you go and you send in missiles, those anti-tank missiles, that really does affect Putin. If you go and you start affecting their financial sector um, and putting restrictions on SWIFT, that affects Putin. If you go and you affect possibly what would happen with the Olympics and start saying that, look, this Olympics is about peace. You can't have that. Russians can't be there. That would put pressure on them. You know, you have to do sanctions now. You have to hit their energy sector now. That's what makes him pull back. You don't want to be reactionary with Putin. I mean, it's just the wrong approach, and I I disagree with what he's saying.
3: So if if they are the number one, uh, the number one customer to Russian gas and oil is Europe. So the theory is that if the Russians get sanctioned severely, they will punish NATO, the EU, by denying them oil and gas. Then others would say, wait a second, it is there that you literally literally fuels their economy. They'd be hurting themselves more. What do you think Vladimir Putin, because you have to play this, you have to play this chess game through. What do you think he does if you have if you do have the sanctions that you're talking about?
11: Well, look, I think it causes him to think twice. I think he knows that if his people feel any sort of suffering, he's going to pay the price for it. And so I think that's what you have to do. He we they, we have been toe-to-toe with him multiple times. He will back down if he knows we're serious. That's the thing, is right now he saw what Biden did in Afghanistan. That was the green light for him. That was the green light for Iran. It was the green light for China and North Korea. That's the reason you see all this chaos in the world, is they saw that Biden doesn't have the spine to fight. And so, look, I mean, nobody wants to go to war. I don't think Russia wants to go to war, but I think Russia wants to see how much they can get. And I think that's what they're trying to do. And I think what the world needs to do, most importantly, what America needs to realize is, why is it when you go, and they say COVID's the most important thing, why is it that your N95 masks are made in China? Why is it when you're trying to get a test, when you turn it over, it's made in China? Why is it that we're still getting energy from Russia? Why is it that we're not going and having our biggest alliance, NATO, stop all their dependency on Russia? Wake up, America, like at what point? Are you not going to realize we're doing this to ourselves?
3: So, Ambassador Nikki Haley with us. Uh, Ambassador, in particular, right now, a lot of people are saying, "I'm, I'm tired of war. I saw what happened in Afghanistan. I'm tired of what happened in Iraq. I cannot believe we care more about the, we're doing this in the Ukraine. What do you have to say to my listeners? There's a lot of them that think, who cares?
11: So I think the reason that you want to care is the stronger Russia gets, the more we suffer. Don't think for a second that we're not going to feel cyber attacks from Russia, that we're not going to start to feel energy restrictions from Russia, that we're not going to start to feel more chaos from Russia. Being strong deters all bad things. I don't think we should go to war. I'm not saying – my husband is a combat veteran. I'm not saying send him to Ukraine. What I am saying is you can send those – those Javelin missiles, you can send equipment for Ukraine to protect itself, and you don't let Russia dictate to us. Russia's trying to dictate to us what they don't want NATO to do. NATO was designed to deter Russia. If we start caving into Russia and letting them have their way, they're going to continue to move the goalposts. That's what you don't want. This is about a strong America. And when you have a strong America, you have a safer world. It doesn't mean going to war. What it does mean is using your voice. What I saw at the UN was when we spoke, other countries followed, because they don't want to follow Russia. They don't want to follow China. They want to follow free countries. And we have to use the power of our voice to do that. And that's the thing is, I don't think you have to go to war. But I do think you need to lead, and leading requires responsibility, and it requires actions on other levels that makes the world a safer place.
3: Uh, and finally, we had Mike Pompeo on yesterday, and he talked about he's f- putting together pretty formidable uh, pack to help uh, in the 2022 elections and, and go around to the biggest and smallest races out there. Uh, as we know, there's no small races when you can see what, what the impact of a DA or a mayor is and see, especially through this pandemic. What exactly is your approach to 2022, even before we talk about
7: 2024?
11: Well, I think it's great. I think, look, we need anybody and everybody out there in the field for 2022. We just endorsed Wesley Hunt in Texas yesterday. Um, We endorsed Greg Abbott um, in Texas for governor today. We were fighting for Glenn Youngkin. We were fighting all across the country last year. We're going to continue to do it. You know, I think – We had some good, really good wins with Virginia, almost won New Jersey. Um, We won a lot of referendums, but what we don't need to do is be arrogant. We need to stay humble, we need to hunker down, we need to focus on solutions to issues and not just saying no to Biden, but what we would do instead. And when we win in 22, which I think will win the House, the Senate, and some governor's races. We have to prove that we deserve to be there by getting things done, not waiting till 24, but actually leading to show what we can do. And I think that that's what the goal should be. And, you know, we should all be in alignment on this, on whatever it takes.
3: You know, what's interesting is I think Americans, not Republicans, Democrats, Americans have a little bit of investigative fatigue. What is the right balance between investigating things like the evacuation of Afghanistan Uh, and other things, at the same time, do something positive?
11: You know, I mean, I think we really need to prioritize. You're not seeing that right now. One thing that is not being talked about is education in America. I mean, prior to COVID, Brian, prior to COVID, 65% of fourth graders were not proficient in reading. 66% of eighth graders were not proficient in reading and math. 66% in our country. Then you add COVID and you have an entire COVID generation, you think we have labor issues now? What are you gonna do when these kids can't graduate high school? No one is talking about the quality of education. No one's talking about the helplessness that parents are feeling because we've got one job. And our job is to make sure we get it right for our kids. We're failing on that front. What are we doing to make mm. sure that our communities are safe with crime? What are we doing about the border? I mean, we're a country of laws. You give up being a country of laws. You give up everything this country was founded on. You know, you've got to look at inflation. At what point are we going to have a balanced budget amendment that finally says, quit spending more than you make? These you. are priorities that need to happen. I'm all about fighting back right. but if we don't start getting things done we are losing america by the day and we can't allow that to happen
3: so you're a military family you're a mom you're a governor and you also have the international relations so uh you're pretty uh you're all, you're a five tool player uh governor thanks and ambassador thanks so much for joining us appreciate your insight always
11: Thanks
3: so much, Brian. Take care. You got it. Uh, When we come back, we open up the phones. I gave you a lot. You have a lot to discuss there. So uh, you're next. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show.
2: The fastest growing talk show in America. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Breaking news. Unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show.
4: You know, she is the most disliked political figure on the stage today. It's even more inexplicable that she's going to keep running and therefore be, uh, you know, a poster, I think, uh, you know, against the Democratic Party, the Republicans will use in all their ads. Hmm. Four more years, two more years of Nancy Pelosi. What a mistake.
3: Yeah, it doesn't say she's actually necessarily, necessarily going to be in leadership, but she says, I'm going to run for our 19th term. My goodness. Does she have anything else to do? Does she have like 100 grandchildren? May- meanwhile, maybe she wants to do some more insider trading. It seems that her husband got really rich when she got that very important job. Among the people not for that, that was Mark Penn, by the way, a Democratic strategist. Among the people not for it, a political heavyweight himself, Bakari Sellers said this on CNN to the prospect of Pelosi sticking around. Cut 37.
4: I firmly believe that it's time for new leadership in the House Democratic Caucus. I think it's uh, time for new leadership. Um, throughout the Democratic Party. Not only do we have to get younger, but we have to be more vibrant and we have to have bigger and bolder ideas to bring in a new generation of voters. Nancy Pelosi will go down in history as probably the greatest speaker of all time. There comes a time, whether or not you're Nancy Pelosi or whether or not you're, you know, Tom Brady, that that sometimes you have to hang up the cleats when it comes to, you know, being leader of your particular party or leader of your organization.
3: Yeah, uh... Of course I think it's time for a hang-up. I'm actually not somebody who thinks she's even close to the best speaker. She's historic because she's first female. But she never reached across the aisle, never did something creative. She hammered her own people to get in line. Congratulations. And how has that worked lately? She's been totally inept. With every lever of power, slight advantage, but an advantage, still hasn't worked. Never impressed.
2: From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox & Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Thanks Kilmeade. so much for being here,
3: everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. This hour, we're going to be joined by Martha McCallum as she gets set to prepare for her show. Coming up a little bit later, we have a lot to discuss with them. Of course, the big story uh, in New York where we're located is uh, the passing away of a second officer who was shot on Friday. He was barely hanging on for his life. Not only did he give his life, did he decide to serve, but he also donated all his organs at NYU Langone right here in New York City. It's sad that it has come to this, but the police officer just incensed about the level of crime and the lack of support leading up to this new Adams administration. But how it really is the same story in Philadelphia, San Francisco, Chicago, Uh, you have uh, places in Detroit. Uh, as well as uh, Los Angeles and, and in parts of San Diego. It's just as though the criminals are calling the shots. And we're seeing now we're seeing some smash and grab here in New York. Hey, okay, I'm going to walk in there. I'm going to get an ax. I'm going to crack open a few jewelry uh, counters. I'm going to walk into a Rite Aid, take everything I can. What are you going to do? Let's get to the big three.
2: Now with the stories you need to Today. know, it's Brian's Big
4: Three. Number three. Look, in Florida, we just anticipate hostility from this administration. That's just what they do. Uh, they are much they are much more interested in picking political fights than they are of actually being there for the people in our state that need this assistance.
3: Uh, that is Governor Ron DeSantis, another pitch battle with the White House. It's a battle on all fronts, really, from vax to boosters to masks in schools. America is squaring off for a death match. Oh, yeah. In other news, the worst of the COVID-19— The death match itself is over, for the most part. The worst is over. You probably don't want to hear that. I know St. Fauci doesn't, especially when it comes to the new revelations on the origins of this virus.
2: Number two.
5: I made it clear to uh, President Putin that if he were to move into Ukraine, that there would be severe consequences, including significant economic sanctions, as well as... I feel obliged to beef up our NATO's presence in on the eastern front.
3: Ugh! I mean, do you have any do you ever hear anything less inspiring holding pattern? Seems the west is deciding how much they are willing to do to stop an invasion of the Ukraine by the Russians while the Russians have two levers of power. Number 1, their military, number 2, oil and gas. Their best customers, Europe. If they're sanctioned, will they sanction Europe?
6: Number 1,
7: illegal guns is an important first step. But we must also address bail reform in our pretrial detention system. We must allow judges to take dangerousness into account. New York is the only state in the country that does not allow a judge to detain a defendant who poses an immediate threat to the community. There's a lot
3: New York doesn't allow, right? That is uh, Mayor Eric Adams, former captain of the police force, talking about the crime. And it's he has no honeymoon. And I think he's just starting to realize that. As a second officer, as I mentioned before, uh, passes away. Five have been shot since he took over. Uh, This thing is a moving target, and we got to stop it. A series of violent crimes in the U.S. has put renewed spotlight on this issue in President Biden's desk. The question is, what will he be doing about it? Talking about police reform, would he be that tone deaf to follow through on that? Meanwhile, yesterday, with the passing of the second officer, Wilbert Mora, a city council member from Harlem, offered her sympathy to both the relatives of the two cops and their accused killer. Do you believe this? Listen to this tweet. My deepest condolences is to the family and the officer, Officer Rivera and Officer Mora and LaShawn McNeil. By the way, that's the killer. Kristen Richardson Jordan wrote, lives lost due to broken public policy and mental health systems that spare nobody. Harlem stands with the familiar of the fallen, and we will not stop fighting for a safer world for all, this is to fund the cop woman. As I talked to Ray Kelly today on the show, Ray Kelly said this is a cop killer wants to kill cops. This guy was in trouble since 1998. The question is, will Eric Adams have any success doing some of the reforms he wants to put in place? And before I micro analyze them, here he is talking about what he thought needs to be done first. Cut three.
7: Illegal guns is an important first step. But we must also address bail reform in our pretrial detention system. First, we must allow judges to take dangerousness into account. New York is the only state in the country that does not allow a judge to detain a defendant who poses an immediate threat to the community.
3: So he's got to do that. You know what they said? No, I don't think so. I'm talking about the city council and the state legislature, almost all Democrats. And then they said, even though Republican House members have sided with Eric Adams' reforms, and then Eric Adams said, what I got to do is be able to take these teenagers and put them in criminal court. They said, no, not going to change that. Then we're going to get rid of no cash bail that every this and let judges decide if he or maybe her, but t- usually he— is a danger to society. Right now, the judges don't have that power. You know, the city legislature said, yeah, I don't think so. It's a non-starter. You know, the state legislature said, yeah, we're not even taking that up. So they don't care about us. And the question is, how long will you put people in power simply because they're in your party? When are you going to have standards and demands? If you have to vote Democrat, when are you going to demand that that Democrat care about your family? I, I just think you should have that. So, I want you to hear this. It's not only carjacking. It's not only people being pushed on subways. It's not only the murder of cops where there's no routine traffic stop and there's no routine domestic dispute. There's no small episode. So Michael Rappaport, the the successful actor, decided to put it on Instagram What he taped with his phone. And that's more of these brazen shoplifters. I don't know how he knew it was coming, but here's a little of it. Cut eight. This fucking guy just filled
9: his two bags up with everything in Rite Aid right here on 80th and 1st Avenue. He was walking down the street like shit is Gucci. I was watching him the whole time. My man just went Christmas shopping in January.
3: <laughs> and he went on for a while. I mean, he must have known this was going to take place. So these guys, the smash and grab has probably hit you. So if I'm working a Rite Aid and I'm a security guard, I am not empowered to make an arrest or anything, so I'm not carrying a gun unless I'm hiring private security and they're uh, and they're bonded. So what are you going to do? And if I'm working for, I don't know, minimum wage, or let's say $20 an hour and incomes go with three guys, they start cleaning out the shelves. I, I don't know if I'm going to put my life on the line to save, you know, uh, tried trident chewing gum and... Uh, different shampoos. I don't think that's the way I want to go out in a blaze of glory. I just think we've lost a sense of law and order, values, ethics, and morals. And now people are saying when you take it, if you're a uh, a black man, well, that's reparations. How long are we going to accept that? How about zero? So is the president serious about crime? Is he serious about taking the right approach to crime? Cut 10.
9: As the murder rate nears a 25 year high, would he consider maybe trying something different?
10: Trying something other than uh, supporting a massive plus up in funding from his predecessor, cracking down on gun trafficking and gun violence, which is a major driver of the violence we've seen across the country, working to support community policing programs and police departments across the country. I think most people who want to fight crime would agree that's the right approach.
3: Right, exactly. And you know why you're putting funding into those departments? Because individually, these Democratic-run cities have defunded their police from Minneapolis to Seattle to Portland uh, to New York, lost a billion dollars out of the budget. Uh, we know in Austin, Texas, an absolute abomination, and we have a great affiliate in Austin. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Even in mighty Texas, law and order land, where they take law and order into their own hands and people have a sense of responsibility. That is not the case in the state capitol. So nobody believes you're doing enough. Nobody believes it because you're afraid to say it because most of the left wing in your party want nothing to do with men and women in uniform, military as well as police officers. We do. We always will. So I'm going to take a time out, come back with Martha McCallum. We're going to continue to move these stories through and talk about uh, something else. Spotify has been asked to make a choice by a rock legend. What choice would you make and what choice am I talking about? That story when we come back.
2: Coming to you on a need-to-know basis, because, man, do you need to know. It's Brian Kilmeade. The fastest three
4: hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The corporate media is trying to manufacture something where something doesn't exist. Look, when I ran for governor, he endorsed me when everyone said, don't do it. Um, And he had my back. And then when he ran for reelection, we had his back in Florida, raised a bunch of money. He had a great margin of victory in Florida. Um, We see eye to eye on all the big issues. And um, so I have zero, zero um, uh, animosity or anything. And they're just trying to create divisions. And why are they doing that, Laura? Because they know Biden's failing. He had the worst first year of any president in the United States history since the 1800s, and they know he's failing on all fronts, so they're trying to divert attention away from those failures and trying to create fissures in the Republican Party.
3: And that is, of course, Ron DeSantis uh, taking on the question from Laura Ingram, is there a problem between you and President Trump? There's no question, I think, that uh, I think everyone would agree, if Ron DeSantis does not get the backing of President Trump, he does not get the nomination and that one point win, which I think is going to look at a double digit win now. Martha McCallum's here. She's a host host of uh, her show, The Story, at three o'clock today. And you could follow her at Martha McCallum, her full name. Hey, Martha, welcome. Hey, Ryan. So, what are your thoughts? Was Governor DeSantis being 100% candid?
1: Well, I don't know. I, I mean, you know,
3: because you've heard this. You've heard there's some stress <laughs> of course, between them.
1: Of course. You know, I have heard that. I think they're both very competitive men who want to. Um, who want to be number one? So, I, and I think that they had a very symbiotic relationship for a long time. I think that Ron DeSantis, Governor DeSantis of Florida, has had a stellar career as the governor of Florida. The people in Florida love him, um, and he's done a great job dealing with a lot of things, a lot of COVID, economy, supply chain, all that stuff. Right? Um, he's also one of the people who has said that he, he who won't say that he won't run if President Trump runs, and you know I. I think competition's healthy. I think that, you know, for Republicans and Democrats, you want to sort of find the person who's going to best represent your party in the presidential election. I think it's a lot of inside baseball. And I I agree with him that um, any sort of rivalry between the two of them is, um, you know, is just too delicious for a lot of folks in the media to pass up and they'll play it up all they can. But, you know. I think there's probably a little bit of truth to it. I think
3: there probably is. I know that one area says one regret I have is that I didn't push back harder when they said shut down two weeks to slow the spread. Yeah. Because he, I don't know if you know, but it's been three years about. Has so, it? Hmm. Yeah, Hadn't it seems noticed. really flown by. Yeah. And uh, the other thing would be behind the scenes. They say that Donald Trump is saying that Governor Ron DeSantis is essentially an ingrate and that should just tell everybody if you got a booster or not. Because Ron DeSantis does not want to say for some reason whether he got a booster or not.
1: Yeah, I know, but you know what? It's I don't understand why people have to be on the record with those things if they don't want to be. You know, to me, even if it, you're a public figure, he, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. I mean, where where does it say that because you become a public figure you lose your right to right. your medical privacy? Hey, Eric, I, I, I don't. Eric, I don't would, agree. Would
3: you be able to get that paperwork that says if you're a public figure you give up the right to your uh, medical? <laughs> would you uh, could you Google that? I'll print it right now because Martha's demanding to see it.
1: I uh, would like to see that. <laughs> um, You know, as far as the issue that he brought up about the lockdown, I think that there are going to be increasing questions. There already are. But I think as time goes by, there are going to be increasing questions about whether or not the lockdown made sense at all from the very beginning. And boy, um, how about this Harvard Tufts study? These two um, doctors from Harvard and Tufts who today came out and said, um, so the, the N95 mask is not what we think about masks, where it's like, I wear my mask to protect you and you wear yours to protect me. It protects the wearer, okay? (laughs) Which is why you saw the vice president and the president start to wear them before the CDC said, you know, they made the switch. They started, oh, maybe I'm going to wear one of these instead. Hello. These things have existed since before the beginning of the pandemic. Um, It just is so... It just goes to it's show maddening. you. It's so maddening. It so it's like, you know, so this, you know, and getting back to DeSantis, there's, you know. You don't have to. I
3: mean, we. I feel like you covered it. But 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 Martha, what you just said, a couple of things. It brings yeah. me to the Wall Street Journal editorial that's coming out tomorrow or in an hour uh, from Marty McCary. He is calling uh, on the N95s. I asked him, I said, when that first came out, the N95s, I was told. Directly on the air, off the air. Oh, you don't get them because they need to be fitted. If you don't, if you wear them wrong, they're useless. I said, All right, great. I'm not going to get. Them. And they're expensive. Okay, and yeah. they're hard to wear, and they leave dents in your face. So I'm like, okay, no problem. Now they tell us about a month ago. Oh, the cloth mask. They help you two percent. So really, I'm going to change my life. Wear this little. Uh, seven year old's not in, uh, wearing me in school. We're the only I know. Western uh, country that is wearing, putting our kids in masks. But don't don't let uh, let don't don't let that slow anybody down. Like Whoopi Goldberg. But uh, a couple other things. Martin McCarry's coming out with the, this editorial that essentially says Hopkins did their own study, and they said we keep hearing natural immunity. We can't count on it. We don't know about its durability. So he said, "Okay, we're two and a half years in. Let's do a study." They did it. Finally, you know it comes out. It comes out that the durability is strong. In the 395 people that they work with, 395 people they found out had strong immunity and they believe it's it is just as strong, if not stronger than a vaccine went on to say he is calling for the reinstatement of fired medical workers because of the VAX mandate, saying if they have natural immunity, more than likely they did because of what they do for a living. Yeah. Hospitals are suffering to such a degree they've lost one out of every five hospital worker in all skill levels is gone. Burnt out, fired, whatever it is. We need them back, put them back, let alone truck drivers and everybody else. Absolutely. So he's calling on that, and he's not without credentials.
1: You know, these are like, you know, we're we're talking about things that everything is, you learn a lot in hindsight. You learn a lot through this process. But there were facts that existed on all of these things from the very beginning for instance the mask right the, and the effectiveness of the mask immunity i had a doctor who told me exactly what he's saying in the very beginning Two he said ago. you know what when 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 people do get this they're going to achieve a certain level of immunity now the vaccines don't last that long either apparently so you know for some people immunity lasts a long time for other people we need a very easy to get antibody test across this country. I can't believe this hasn't happened yet. We're more than two years in where you could get your antibody level tested. And if you want to get another boost, then you should get another boost. But the fact that we don't recognize and college students across the country are being told you need a booster to come back, despite the fact that most of them have had it once. A lot of them have had it twice. So that needs to count towards their immunity. As Dr. Siegel says, if you had COVID, then you've had an extra shot, right? So if you had two shots, a booster and COVID, um, the, I mean, where does this where does this end? We right. must recognize natural immunity in this country. And
3: also, people have told me benefit. that the mutations mutate, so they're going to the variants going to fight back too. It's like, okay, you think you could stop me? I'm going to show you, and yeah. they come back again. But each time, it comes less and less severe. I don't even have to bring this up and bring anyone down. But do you realize the worst is over? Do you realize we've turned the corner on this because we looked at the UK and South Africa and we see what's happening? And you mentioned mild symptoms. Max immunity so we're all getting Im- immunized it's, it's' easy to catch and easy to beat uh ninety nine percent easier to beat and almost every vari almost everybody that gets it I think the number is ninety nine percent uh say that it is the uh it is the omicron variant yeah. not the delta variant
1: yeah almost a hundred percent they say of the cases that are out there now are omicron and um you know i had i i'm going to- sh- I'll share my medical story even though I said i shouldn't have to you know, but i have two two shots a booster and Omicron over Christmas, ah. I, So, I mean... I don't mean to laugh, it but was it's like... like you no, know, it was like a little cold, and if I if I had had this same cold, I would have gone to work every day, I would have gone to whatever, you know, Christmas event we had on the schedule with, you know, like a little sniffle, and been totally fine. Right. So, I mean, it's... And so, I was lucky, and... I'm, you know, I'm glad I have that extra immunity at this point.
3: I want to really test your versatility. When we come back, Ukraine and Russia, Martha style, it's going to be the story with us in the final half hour. Brian Kilmeade Show, don't we?
2: The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade.
5: There will be enormous consequences if he were to go in and invade as he could the entire country he or a lot less than that as well, for Russia, not only in terms of economic consequences and political consequences, but it will be enormous consequences worldwide. This would be the largest, if he were to move in with all those forces, it would be the largest invasion since World War II. So it would change the world.
3: So that's what I was talking about, Martha. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you watch him on TV, that's one thing. It's, it's never inspiring. That's not his style. I guess Woodrow Wilson was not like that. I, I guess Calvin Coolidge was also understated. But he sounds, there's no energy. Where's the energy? You're talking about a possible world conflict. Where's the timber in your voice? I know he's wearing a mask, but still, that's all he did yesterday. He got ice cream when, and when, that. when
1: he feels that he's not energetic enough and not showing the timber in his voice, we get the whisper. Okay. And that really, yeah, yeah, you know, all that Come stuff. So it, no joke, it, it folks. Does, no joke. No joke. No joke. joke. <laughs> um, yeah, so that, that doesn't really work either. I don't know. You know, I don't know. What, what does that mean? Does it mean that he's not, not really engaged or that he's not passionate about what's going on? Um is he disconnected from it? I I don't know because my, my feeling is always that when someone speaks, you can tell whether or not they care and they're engaged and they don't have to work to convince you that they care and they're engaged. It's obvious when someone is connecting and presidents, you know, go in and out of that all the time. Sometimes they give a flat speech. They didn't really look at the speech that closely. We saw that with previous presidents. Um, but this is a pretty big moment, and I'm all I can think when I listen to him say, you know, the, the consequences would be huge. This is going to change the world. I'm thinking, well, that's exactly what Vladimir Putin wants to do.
3: Yeah. Change so he's
1: going. Okay, yeah, I want to change the world. Sounds good. I want to change my world. I want my world back the way it was when I had, you know, when we had the Soviet Union. And um, I think nobody's going to stop me from moving into Ukraine. It doesn't appear so. so. So
3: you know how we said policy. Anthony Fauci mastered this. You said policy by questions. Yes, the right questions. That's our policy. Anthony Fauci. It's going to go away. I don't think so. <laughs> okay. Uh, is Shad we wearing a mask? That's something we're considering. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So we that you do it by questions. So Joe Biden's asked this pretty significant question. Cut fourteen
0: would you ever see yourself personally sanctioning him if he did invade ukraine yes you would
3: i would see that okay i guess we're have to one of those powerful people in the world personally which yeah. by the way is a huge move
1: i would see that
3: mm-hmm. yes i guess he's gambling I
1: would see uh, that. Okay. so
3: so we what i'm encouraged about is each day that goes by they seem to be getting more weapons so we get we're pledging 200 million dollars worth of weapons uh, the U.K. is stepping up big time. I think they're using this as an opportunity to show this is what it's like when I can operate outside the EU. Yeah. And this is going to be our policy. And they're pretty tough. They know how to fight. They just have the biggest force or the greatest money. And I think Boris Johnson's looking to distract a little bit. So he, they, oh, they no evidently, kidding. if you were. He lifted in...
1: all. He went to all those parties during COVID and then he lifted all the COVID restrictions and sent a bunch of weapons to Ukraine.
3: Right. Which I've done.
1: It's a way to change the conversation. Right. When
3: I've gone to parties I shouldn't have, I also wi- uh, left weapons and, uh, weapons uh, limitations. You <laughs> send weapons. Yes. Um, lift restrictions. But by the way, I don't want to say. But just to finish this off, yesterday this is how happy they were in the Ukraine. Anyone with a British accent or for a British passport, they all drank for free. They were, they were singing. Uh, what do we call? What is their national anthem? God Save the Queen. Or do they sing that in uh, Canada? What do they sing in Canada, Eric? Do you know? God Save the Queen. We're going to we're going to look it up. I'm going to put my best oh, Are you talking out. about in the UK? Yeah. What are they saying? God save the o Queen. Yeah. yeah. God yeah. save. The... what is, what is God that? God save our
1: gracious Queen.
3: Oh, Canada sings Oh Canada.
1: That's
0: o the, name Canada. Of the national anthem, Oh Canada.
1: That's correct. Right.
3: That's tricky. So, I had no so idea. you're talking about
1: Ukraine. I was like, why are they singing why were they were they happy about the weapons? But what about 100
3: <laughs> uh, about 150,000 troops and then the the with all this uh, armaments coming in. The biggest story it's under it's underreported is Germany is doing nothing. It, Almost nothing. Absolutely. You, can, you cannot do overflights with weapons over their territory. That's right. That's They're right. siding
1: with Russia? Didn't we have- No, yeah, well, didn't that's we why I asked Katie McFarland yesterday, is, is Germany still in NATO? I'm just curious because they don't appear to be and their alliance with Russia and they push so hard for Nord Stream 2 and they obviously want to be beholden to Russia for all their energy. So it's quite clear. I mean, you have to judge people by their actions. Right. And they won't allow flyovers of weapons. They're not going to send any weapons to Ukraine. Um, You know, I mean, you can perceive it in a number of ways i think they would say well we're you know we're a member of nato and ukraine is not in nato we've already given most of the concessions on the you know today we're going to get the response to the questions on this uh, list so this whole insulting. thing is so strange right and sergey lavrov was smiling and shaking tony blinken's hand yeah hey when you get out to it, let me know what your answers are to our demands yes so today we're going to return our answers to their demands most of which we have basically already suggested that we're okay with right Back your missiles away from our border. Turn them in another direction. Don't offer NATO uh, – don't invite any of the countries that aren't in NATO along our border to be in NATO anytime soon. Biden's already said he's not going to do that.
5: Well,
3: he said no Ukraine. I don't think he said the, you cannot – he refuses. You, you have he a said right to- Ukraine
1: will not be a member for the foreseeable future. Yeah.
3: Which, basically, they don't hit the criteria anyway. They were just trying to be an associate member because of the corruption in their government, correct?
1: Understood, but th- honestly. Yeah. But then I think I understand people who make the argument. So we, why are we going – why are we, are we, we helping them? Um, we don't trust them enough to make them a member of NATO, but we are very concerned about what's going to happen to them, and we're going to send all of these weapons. But it's not about that. It's about you. It's about Vladimir Putin's – expansionist desires and whether or not um, we'll stand by and let that happen because of the precedent that it would set.
3: So a lot of people don't think we should be doing anything at all, uh, including I know Tucker's come out and said, what are we doing here? Laura's come out too and said, what are we doing here? But I actually feel differently. I see a huge problem. If they take the Ukraine, those Baltic states are toast. They're going to reconstitute the Soviet Union. And here's what they do along the way. They pick up the assets and materials and – Uh, And the raw materials in that country, for example, they get the Baltic Sea, they get everything the Ukraine has, the oil and gas that's underneath that ground, as well as the territory. So it's not just, well, they're not going to be able to reconstitute the Soviet Union. How do you know? I mean, if if everyone is showing they won't do anything, how do you know? And even if they get close, they become more formidable as they expand.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's an interesting piece in the journal today by Holman Jenkins, which uh, makes the argument that they do not have the strength to retake those countries and that it's not likely to happen. Um, and that Vladimir Putin is just sort of, you know, spitting into the wind and wishing that he could get back what he had. It's never going to happen. Um, that this is not Nazi Germany. This is not the the lead up to World War Two in, in a number of ways because of the strength of some of these of these other countries. Um I don't know the answer to that. I don't think anybody does. I was watching this really interesting show last night about Munich um, prior to World War II and Neville Chamberlain. And, you know, I mean, it's very hard to have hindsight when you're in this moment. And I think that both arguments on that are are what we need to hear out
3: at this point. Well, we do remember. I mean, you can't just say that was then. We're not talking about uh, ancient Greece. We're talking about, hey, I'm going to take the uh, Czechoslovakia because— the Sudetenland, because there's German speakers there. So I think we're going to take it. And if you just let we us have that. it away. Yeah, if you just right. let us have that, we'll go good. good. Does it
1: feel like that's what's happening right now with Ukraine? Absolutely. It feels like that, well, right? They
3: took a portion of it already. They did. And they took it- the
1: Donbass region already. And we saw what they did with Crimea right and no 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 don't go in there oh okay i guess that happened and nothing right and then we sent ukraine meals ready to eat for four years under the obama administration and john mccain as you remember was very incensed about that so it has been chipping away over time and um and clearly that's his goal
3: right uh that is uh one of the goals uh i want to take a time out because i want to come back and i want to do more to know but before we do I thought this was very unique. Theo Flory, a great NHL player for years, pointing out something that's happening in Canada right now that he thinks is going to be happening here and plays into, like a Seinfeld episode, exactly what Dr. Marty McCarry said. He said it's time to lift all these mandates and all these uh, all these people that were fired because they wouldn't get vaccinated. He, they've proven in the study that natural immunity is the same, especially truck drivers. Never should have been involved in this. But in Canada, they are off the charts, uh, lockdown central. Here is Theo Flory about what is happening today in Canada and how it could be happening here shortly. Cut 25.
5: Right now in Canada, we have one of the biggest revolutions happening, and you probably haven't heard about it because nobody's talking about it. But uh, right now there's 50,000 truckers and about 1.4 million people headed to the Parliament in Ottawa, and they're going to stay there until Trudeau resigns or... They give us back all of our freedoms and rights. Don't you think we're heading
3: there?
1: I do. I do. I mean, we saw a demonstration in Washington last week. We see what's happening in the school board meetings across the country. Um, We see that masks are now determined to be, you know, the right mask, protective for the wearer, which liberates, according to these scientists from Harvard and Tufts, everyone else you know it's like okay if you want to wear it and protect yourself that's fine if i don't want to wear it or i don't want my children to wear them in school i want them to see people's faces i want them to see smiles i want i understand their psychological development and social development has been so these kids are going to be stamped as covid pandemic kids for the rest of their life it is going to have long lasting impact on them so yes i completely agree that because of where we are, that's the problem. You have to balance the risk. You have to say, here's the science. We're a courageous, brave country. Knowing what we know, we balance the risks, and we go on with our lives.
3: Absolutely. Whoopi Goldberg, Howard Stern, uh, everybody on The View, uh, all these other, uh, I guess, uh, everyone, all the uh, late-night talk show hosts outside Bill Maher, they've all caved, and they are so condemning of it's anyone a fear who culture. hasn't.
1: It's a fear culture. And I think, you know, when I— I mean, when you look at this new um, information that, that Brett Baer revealed on Special Report last night, and we, we, it becomes ever more clear that, this, um, that there were very significant reasons to think this came from the lab, right? Um, and Dr. Redfield said to me months ago, um, because it came from the lab, it's supercharged. And that's why you get these very strong variants that spin off, right? right? So, I mean, it's cooked up created to be a very resilient virus that lasts forever, right? Um, so, you know, for all of these reasons and for all of the, the great steps that we've made, we have to live where we are now. We have to understand that we have freedoms to live the way we want to live now.
3: Martha, you're singing my song. I wish I, the show would be better if I disagreed with you, but I can't because I 100% agree. When we come back, we find out if Martha needs to know more. And then, of course, you tell me who's on your show. That's the way it works. Those are the rules. Eric, could you, could you make sure those are the rules? Thank you. Back in a moment.
2: Educating. Entertaining. Enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade.
9: Biden's been having a rough time. He finally had to give a press conference this week. Did you see that? It went on for two hours. Two hours. Although the first hour, it was just about how kids' bikes didn't used to be so complicated. So I... I, I <laughs>
3: That was one of the most benign things he said. His stand-up was so much about being sick of COVID that he is now being canceled uh, by the left. Uh, Martha McCallum is here. And Martha, before we build on more to know, what's on your show today at 3?
1: So we're going to talk to Dr. Robert Redfield about all of these developments in COVID, about the news that we got from Special Report last night, about burying origins. the story about it being in, uh, coming from the lab. So we're looking forward to talking to him. We're also going to talk to the former ambassador to Ukraine about the imminent situation of cyber attacks and all of it.
3: Alright, that's promotion and a little bit of bragging. I'm just yeah, telling well, you, know, if you're watching Fox Nation It's going to be good. What you, can I say? I don't want to hide my light under a bushel. You saw the swagger. Alright, <laughs> let's find out if there's more to know. More to know. i lead us off.
1: Okay, so the Washington school board removes to Kill a Mockingbird from their curriculum due to racial sensitivity. What do you think about that?
3: Well, I'm a little surprised because number 1, I don't remember a thing about the book. Oh, but you've I know it's a classic. I don't
1: remember me. just just say something. Do you remember anything about the plot? Okay, I read or watch it probably every year. Do you really? First of all, the entire point of to Kill a Mockingbird is that it teaches the evils of racism, okay? And, and that this incredible lawyer is defending this man who would who needed defending, who was accused of attacking this white woman, and he defends him and teaches his children incredible lessons wow. about racial sensitivity. So I'm thinking that these people, these teachers and all of them who think that it's racially insensitive, it. they have no idea. Would, are they dumb? Do they not understand the point of the entire story?
3: All right. I'm going to do that on uh, a Saturday show. By the way, I have a show on Saturday, 8 o'clock.
1: Looking forward to it.
3: Next, Kid Rock is. Has- Releasing an anti-Biden, anti-Fauci single. I didn't know you could put that to music. With Let's Go Brandon Chorus. Can we hear a little of it? No? We don't have it? Good. I Can can't pay for the rights. For uh, I'm not sure. It says, we the people, and all we do, reserve the right to scream, hmm. uh, F you. Okay. The singer shouts in the song, we the people, released on Monday, wear your mask, take your pills, now a whole generation is mentally ill. It doesn't really rhyme, but I get it. I agree with it. Right? Well, it's America. Scream it you have the have
1: freedom it. to sing or say whatever's on your mind, and um, it can be about the president or politics or anybody. And we've certainly seen that over the last four years. And
3: we just don't know if it is about Brandon Brown, the NASCAR racer. That might be Kid it Rock's favorite. Probably is, don't you think? I think, I think it so. Probably is. Please, Eric, please look that up. Next.
1: So Disney's rethinking Snow White after Peter Dinklage called out the use of dwarves in their new musical, which right. we were talking about. It's a, it's a supposedly progressive live-action remake of Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, and he basically says that uh, they need to avoid reinforcing these stereotypes. What do you think? Well, do you did, remember this story, or I, do I have to tell you this story, I, I, too?
3: I kind of forgot that one, too. I thought it was Cinderella. So there's a
1: mean queen. She wants a hunter to cut Snow White's hard out. Right. This is what I like about the old Snow White, the old Disney stories. Disney was like, tough. Like they were tough, yeah. right? And so the the dwarves protect her. Okay, they save her. They right. are heroes in this story, and then she falls in love with the prince.
3: But Pete wasn't the problem. Is they thought it was bad, Peter, that they all seven dwarfs live together in a in a cave. No,
1: you know, they well, actually, in, they,
0: they live in a they live in their own cottage. They, they in work a, yeah. in a mine.
1: They live in an adorable little cottage, and one of the, you know, like she she sneaks into their house because she's running away from the hunter. And she goes up the stairs and she, like, lays down across all their beds and falls asleep. It's adorable.
3: Martha, here's the problem, though Disney apologized already, didn't they? Of course they? they did. What did they say?
1: You know, they said to avoid referencing stereotypes from the original animated film. We are taking a different approach with these seven characters and have been consulting with members of the dwarfism community. We look forward to sharing more as the film heads into production after a lengthy development period. But, you know, Peter Dinklage is a big star and, um, you know, he's a great actor and he's upset about it.
3: Next, Mark Cuban's got a new project. He's going to be selling drugs Uh, It is officially launched. It's Mark Cuban Cost Plus Drug Company. Uh, It officially launched with a company saying the goal is to show consumers the wholesale price behind a drug. All drugs are priced at a cost of 15% uh, plus 15%. Sign up and share your thoughts and experiences with us. The pharmacy price reflects actual manufacturer prices plus a flat 15% margin and pharmacist fee. One medication available at a reduced price is something for leukemia. According to the press release, the retail price of that drug is $9,657 per month and costs 120 a month with a common voucher. With his medication, it's $47 a month. Mm. So he wants you to know you're, it's not about your copay. Someone's making a lot of money here, and by keeping us in the dark, we're never going to stop it.
1: I think it's a fantastic idea. I think, you know... The last several presidents have tried in vain to bring down prescription drugs. This is a ex- great example of how capitalism can step in and equalize the market and create competition. I, I mean, on the face of it, sounds like a great idea to me.
3: They said they will only accept cash and not health insurance, but says prices will still be cheaper than what the patient Medi- typically pay. There are pay.
1: medications that just cost thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. It's absolutely out of control. Next. So the SAT is slashing standards. The new SAT is going to be shorter, two hours, completely online, and will allow calculators. What? Yes.
3: In math? What do you think? I think that I heard that no number two pencils. We're a couple of years away on this, correct? And someone else said it. I thought it was going to be easier, too. Is that correct?
1: course it is. I mean, everything's dumbed down, right? right? I mean, now, I accept the fact that I was not a great test taker, so this would have been great news for me, but it's a challenge right. that everyone has to face in life, and you have to take the, the SAT test. You know, the thing that bothers me about it is that all the kids who, who can afford it, get they get all this like SAT tutors. training and tutors, and then the kids who can't afford it don't have those tutors, and it gives them an advantage. I think there should be no SAT.
3: But really, I like the no SAT, SAT because it's used some standardized but test. But it's
1: not standardized what because there are kids who get trained. For months oh, and months the And they know stuff. how to take the test I understand And other kids don't get that training So it's not standardized
3: See, they said I was a good test taker But my negativities was I wasn't that smart <laughs> So I kind of blame myself I was for I the opposite <laughs> <So> <laughs> Really?
1: together We could have gone to college We should have been, been able to, to pair up Can we do that? <laughs>
3: somebody, Eric, can you call somebody? See you
4: at three